Hello and welcome to another edition of the Power Sweep podcast presented by North Coast Sports. Antonio Castro once again joined by my esteemed colleague Chris Van Dyne, two of the uh, handicappers here at North Coast Sports. Got a Good slate of games to dive into for you this week. Uh, before we get into those games, though, I want to mention about what we have going on this weekend at North Coast Sports. Uh, excited about this weekend. Uh, big plays continue to do very, very well for us here. Uh, now 6-2 and two on the season, 2-1 uh, and one on our big plays over the weekend. Overall, it wasn't the type of weekend that we expect to have here at North Coast Sports on our late phones. Uh, but want to remind everybody, the last time we had a disappointing weekend, in, in uh, which was a few weeks Weeks ago in September, we bounced back the very next week and went a combined 11 and 1 on our late phone plays the very next week. So, uh, don't want to have you guys get discouraged out there by off of a bad weekend. Remember, gambling is a marathon; it's not a sprint. So, uh, just remind everybody, it's, you're going to have more winning weekends than losing weekends, and that's what we strive for here at North Coast Sports. But again, uh, that NFL late. Uh, top late phone play is 8-0 this year. Average cover of 10 points per game. Uh, just on fire. NFL late phones overall are hitting 61% the last uh, eight weeks. Our college totals are on fire, 8-3 and three the last three weeks. We've got a lot of stuff going on this weekend. You can get this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, late phone sides for just $125. Again, that's just $125. Uh, we're going to have probably, I would say, at least... 11 star rated plays going between Saturday and Sunday. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, you can go online to our website at ncsports.com or you can give us a call in our office absolutely toll free 1-800-654-3448. Get all that information, uh, for our, uh, late phone packages this weekend. Definitely jump on board. We are very excited. November is, is always our best month because being a football and football only handicapping service, we don't concentrate any bit on basketball, hockey, any of the other sports going on right now. We are football and football only, and that's why we do so well in the month of November and throughout the bowl season into the Super Bowl as well. All right, enough about uh, what we have going on this weekend. Let's talk about college football and, in particular, some of the games that we've picked out for this weekend. I, got, I like the slate of games, Chris, that we've got going on. Now, for our SEC game, we didn't want to go into uh, the, the main matchup of the weekend. Obviously, LSU and Alabama – Everybody's talking about LSU and Alabama. We thought it would be a little bit of overkill on that game, so we wanted to go a different route. Another key game in SEC play. It's going to be a big factor in determining who takes on the winner of... Uh, of the LSU-Alabama game in the SEC championship game. Of course, I'm talking about another matchup of two top 10 ranked foes. Number six, Georgia taking on number nine, Kentucky. When was the last time you heard that, Chris? Number six, Georgia against number nine, Kentucky. Just seems weird saying it. Uh, both teams coming in with a, with a same record, seven and one overall, five and one in the SEC. Both of them are even, uh, against the spread, four and four. Uh, line opened up at, uh, Georgia. Georgia laying nine and a half. A little bit of early money, Chris, on Kentucky, interestingly enough. That line has dropped to half a point. It's down to now nine. And when looking at this game, Chris, uh, obviously the winner controls their own destiny in terms of making that SEC title game, like I mentioned. Uh, when you look at Kentucky, I mean, the main thing about this team, why they're ranked number nine in the country, uh, is their defense. I mean, just been tremendous. They're holding their opponents to 120 yards per game below their season average, which is just a phenomenal, phenomenal statistic. But, Chris, 
when I was breaking down the numbers for uh, for Kentucky, and I'm and this isn't a slight on them, I'm just breaking it down and, and providing data here. The average offense they faced is only the number 53 offense uh, in terms of. Uh, offenses gaining more yards than what their opponents are allowing on average. So uh, they haven't faced particularly very good offenses in a week-in and week-out basis. Georgia will bring in a, a very, very solid physical offensive front that I'm interested to see how Kentucky can handle. Uh, obviously, Georgia has Jake uh, uh, Jake Fromm and, and Elijah the real deal, Holyfield, uh, his son. So you gotta love that. Uh, and, uh, they have our number 19 offense in the country. They average 78 yards per game more than their foes allow. So I do give the offense versus defensive edge to Georgia in this game. And then, and then I looked at the experience, Chris, and you can't discount the fact that Georgia's been in these type of games. I mean, just last year alone, they were in these type of games. Uh, they have no pressure on the road. Kentucky's playing at home. Obviously the pressure is on them. They've never been in this type of situation uh, i think georgia the line is nine i'm saying georgia can win this game by two touchdowns uh, but you're the sec expert am i wrong am i right am i crazy am i loony am i on point you tell me you're the expert here well you're right about one thing who would have thunk that this game would likely decide the sec east and for kentucky it does decide the sec east for them if Kentucky wins this game, they're gone. They're going to the SEC championship playing with the winner of that Bama and LSU game. And that's something that's hard to fathom. We did think that Kentucky was improved, but this is more than we expected from the Wildcats. Got to credit Mark Stoops for the job that he's done there. Um, Georgia's off that big win over Florida. It was a 19-point win in the game formerly known as the Cocktail Party. <clears throat> Uh, that was a closer game than the, the final score indicates. Georgia did outgain them, outgain the Gators by 154 yards, but that, that was a closer game going into the fourth quarter. Florida was in the game, gave away some points. Uh, Georgia didn't really have total control of it till the very end when they added some touchdowns. Georgia's defense very excellent, but th- their offense has been the key. Uh, Averaging 90, uh, 78 yards per game more than their opponents are allowing, number 19 in offense. So they, they've got the offense to move the ball, and I think that one of the big things in this game is the quarterback edge for Georgia. <clears throat> Jake Fromm, a much more stable and reliable quarterback in a big game than Terry Wilson for Kentucky, who's only got a 5-6 to six ratio. More of a running uh, athletic quarterback not a very good pass. Uh, he's completing a decent percentage. I believe it's 64%. But not a guy you really want throwing the ball. You know, you saw a couple weeks ago against uh, against uh, uh, Texas A&M when they struggled to get past midfield. They, they never actually ran a play from the other side of midfield other than in overtime. And Wilson also took a bad sack in that overtime when it kind of knocked him out of field goal range and the ball ended up going off the crossbar. So had he not taken that eight-yard loss on third down, A&M or Kentucky might have been able to force the next overtime. So I feel like Kentucky's a little bit disadvantaged at quarterback. I also feel like Georgia's running game is starting to gain a little bit of an edge. You mentioned Holyfield. Well, the guy coming into this year that was expected to be the guy, the guy that picks up the pieces from losing Nick Chubb and uh, the, the other backs they've had in the last couple of years, DeAndre Swift, 
finally looked like the guy that he was projected to be. Had 120 yards last week. So you got to like that running game with Holyfield and Swift carrying the torch. Fromm gives them that quarterback edge, 16-4 to ratio. I just can't, in my mind, say Kentucky is going to the SEC championship game. So I'm with you. I think Georgia wins this game, and I think they win it by the defense controlling Wilson, not letting him make plays. Benny Snell's been held to under 100 yards three of the last four games, so their offense is struggling a little bit. And I think the dogs get it done, like you said, by about two touchdowns here on the road. All right, moving along to the West Coast, uh, I want to take a look at two of the more disappointing teams in the FBS this year because uh, g- coming into the season, I think both of these teams uh, were on uh, on everybody's radar, especially the Washington Huskies as far as making a playoff uh, appearance. But I'm talking about Stanford, of course, making the trip to Washington. Stanford comes in at 5-3, and three, just 3-2 three and two in the Pac-12. Washington, 6-3, and three, has already lost twice in the Pac-12 at 4-2. and two. Uh, Stanford, 4-4 four and four against the spread. Washington, get this, Chris, 2-7 and seven against the spread. Not normally what you see out of a Chris Peterson coach team. Usually they do well not only on the scoreboard but against the Vegas odds as well. This game opened up as Washington laying 9. It's now up to Washington laying 10. So it's a double-digit line uh, for Washington in this game. And when I broke this game down, uh, I look at uh, Washington. They, they're struggling. Uh, but they do, they are expected to get the return of their key running back, Miles Garrett. He's missed the last two games with a shoulder injury. He is expected to be back, uh, this week. Right, the last two games he's missed. And, yeah, Miles Gaskin. Did I say something else? Oh, I said Miles Garrett. I'm sorry. I'm thinking the Browns. I, yeah, well, you know, the Miles thing got me. Miles Gaskin, of course, is what I'm thinking of. Uh, but, you know, he's coming back this week and, uh, you know, it, which is just in time, Chris, for this Washington offense because uh, struggling a little bit. Jake Browning, of course, the quarterback's going through a little bit of a rough patch. He was benched last week. No quarterback controversy there. Chris Peterson has come out and said that Jake Browning is the starter. Uh, just needed a, a little bit of a, a break, I guess, last week. Um, on the other side of the of the ball, looking at Stanford, uh, you know, they're allowing 224, uh, 4.6 rush yards per game in a three-game stretch earlier this year versus Oregon, Notre Dame, and Utah. I think that bodes well for the Washington offense, especially one that is expected to get Miles Gaskin back this week. Uh, the Cardinal come in off of an emotional loss. They blew a two-touchdown lead last week at home versus Wazoo. Now they have to go on the road off that emotional loss. I don't like that situation. I think Washington is in a, is in a must win situation here they're at home i think they're the more complete team i'm not afraid to lay the double digits with the huskies chris i'm gonna say washington can come back at home beat stanford by about the same margin as i picked uh georgia to beat kentucky two touchdowns well these are some angry huskies off these losses you know they've lost two of the last three they only put up 250 yards against cal's defense justin wilcox is a defensive guy and he knows how to defend Washington's offense. But uh, still, very disappointing efforts from Washington the last couple games. Uh, you mentioned Browning. He's ha- he hasn't been the improvement that you would expect a guy to have from you know the beginning of his career to now. It seems like he's kind of regressed since he started out as the Huskies quarterback a few years ago. Only a 12-8 to ratio. Getting Gaskin back will be huge for Washington. They need that spark plug in the offense. They've still been running the ball okay without him the last couple games, but not last week against Cal. 
Um, Huskies are much better at home, plus 208 yards per game. Stanford on the road, only minus 175 yards per game. So Stanford's had road struggles. The Huskies have succeeded at home. The one thing I am leery about is going against David Shaw off a loss. He's 14-4 against the spread off a straight-up loss. So you have to be a little leery and a little concerned. Kind of tempers my expectations of this game. I do like Washington. Stanford's lost three of their last four, and they've gotten thrown on a lot in those games. Uh, 345 pass yards given up in three of their last five, coming in with our number 72 pass efficiency defense. So there could be some areas for uh, Browning to have one of his better games this year, show some improvements, show that he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the Pac-12, let alone the nation that everyone, everyone expected him to be. Stanford can't run the ball, and that's been the story of the season. You know, that's a, that's that's their mo. The Stanford run game, their offensive lines got maulers. They always have guys getting drafted in the first couple rounds of the draft. David DeCastro, you know, guys like that. But it hasn't been there this year. Bryce Love hasn't had the season everyone expected him to be. He was a Heisman guy that uh, just hasn't gotten it done because his offensive line has struggled, and he's gotten a little banged up. I'll take the Huskies at home, but be mindful. David Shaw does very well off losses, and uh, I still think that the Huskies will cover. Like you said, could be about by about two touchdowns, but I'm a little uh, little leery on Stanford coming off that loss. Very good stuff there. All right, let's move along to our next game. Uh, two of the more surprising teams will go from two of the disappointing teams in the FBS this year to two of the more surprising teams this year. Uh, may not be uh, that much of a surprise that Notre Dame is ranked number four, but uh, not not a lot of people had them, let's be honest here, uh, g- going this far into the season, remaining undefeated, and, and definitely being among the uh, top four teams in the playoff uh, so this late in the year. Notre Dame 8-0, of course, ranked number four, going on the road, making a short trip uh, to the Chicago area taking on Northwestern, who is a surprising five and one in the Big Ten, five and three overall, uh, first place uh, in the uh, in the Big Ten uh, in their in their side of the division, and and they've never in the Big Ten West, and they've never been in this situation before. So uh, Northwestern coming in, uh, line opened up as Notre Dame laying eight, a lot of early money on the Irish, Chris. They're up now to a nine and a half point favorite in this game in Evanston on the road. Now uh, I do just the technical edges favor Northwestern here. There's no doubt. I mean, uh, Pat Fitzgerald is great uh, as a dog. And if you look at North, as you look at Notre Dame, Chris, over the last few years under Brian Kelly in the month of November, they have not fared well in November. They've gotten off to strong starts uh, under Kelly and then have faltered in the month of November. So those type of situations favor Northwestern here. However, I'm going to let it be known. This uh, Pat Fitzgerald, he has strongly made it known that the Wildcats' main goal is to win the Big Ten title. That is the number one goal for Northwestern. It's been that way since the start of the season, and it's not going to change. They're 5-1 and one in the Big Ten right now. Since the Big Ten started their championship game in 2011, Northwestern has never reached the title game. So you know that they want to do that. They're alone in first place in the Big Ten West. They have a much more important game at Iowa on deck. They can't afford to risk injuries in this game. Notre Dame. They've won four out of the last five games by 21 or more points. I like the Irish here. I'm not afraid of laying that nine and a half. I know it goes against the technical edges here that Northwestern brings, but I just see Northwestern having the bigger, more important game on deck. They want a Big Ten title. 
I see Notre Dame being able to to take control of this game. And then I'm not going to say Northwestern's going to quit down the stretch, but I just think they're just going to kind of take it easy and, and, and almost go into relax mode going into next week's bigger game. I got Notre Dame winning this game by a minimum of two touchdowns. I had a conversation about Notre Dame uh, a couple weeks ago with a couple of my good friends that are uh, big, big Irish fans since they were kids. And I, I was just telling them I, I don't necessarily buy Notre Dame as a national title contender. Sure, they are going to they are going to contend for the playoff spot because there's a good chance they do go 12 and 0. You know, the schedule down the stretch. Uh, frankly, the teams have been disappointing that they've got it coming up. You know, Florida State and USC just not ha- not their typical selves this year. Uh, and, and the reason I'm a little leery on Notre Dame, the defense is stout. They're only allowing 3.9 yards per carry, holding opponents to 72 yards per game below their average, which is excellent. You know, they're number 26 in the country there. Uh, my concern is a little bit with Ian Book, 77% completions, 13-4 to 4 ratio. But I looked a little closer, and he's faced since he started uh, take since he took over as a starting quarterback, our number one fifteen, number seventy two, number ninety nine, number ninety two, and number one twenty two pass efficiency defenses. Those are some of the uh, basically some of the five worst or below average pass defenses you're going to find in a five game stretch. So uh, I, I need to see him succeed against a better team a better pass defense you know i just he hasn't done it against anybody that really has a pulse in the secondary and and defensively uh northwestern number 62 pass efficiency d so it's not like it's going to happen this week i think book has the edge on them i think he's still going to have a good game dexter williams has been excellent for notre dame ever since he came off that uh three game suspension to start the year he's been running all over everybody Northwestern, only minus three yards per game at home. Losses to Duke and Akron at home. So they're not dominating at home like you would maybe not necessarily expect Northwestern to do, but a little disappointing at home to say the least. Uh, Also had a close win against Nebraska. Again, a team that you would expect them to play a little better against and could have easily lost that game. Clayton Thorson has 10 interceptions this year. That's a big concern for me. Notre Dame's got our number 18 pass efficiency D, so there could be some balls going the other way. And if Thorson can't control that, if he makes those mistakes against the secondary, then that's going to be bad news for Northwestern. And I don't think they're a team that can maintain staying close in a game if they're turning the ball over. So I'm going to take the Irish here uh, by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, and Dorson has had much more on his plate this year without the ability of a run game for Northwestern there, uh, just to throw that in. All right, let's move along to uh, the Big 12 now. Huge game in the Big 12 this week. Top 25 matchup with Big 12 title game aspirations on the line. Of course, I'm talking about number 13, West Virginia, going on the road, going to Austin, taking on the number 17-ranked Texas Longhorns. Uh, West Virginia comes in 6-1. and one. Texas is 6-2. and two. Both are 4-1 and one, uh, in the Big 12. West Virginia five and two against the spread. Texas just three and five against the spread. Ah, they're not in their familiar dog roll. Uh, what do you know? Texas opens up this game two and a half point favorite. Early money on the Mountaineers down to one and a half uh, for this game now. So you're based, it's based almost a pick 'em. I mean, it's basically just Texas has to win the game uh, nearly. But again, uh, as I mentioned, the winner of this game controls their own destiny to reach the Big 12 title game. I mean, honestly, this could become a uh, a prequel to the Big 12 title game uh, 
big to the Big Ten 12 title game. They could both reach the game still, even though one loses in this game. Not likely, but it could happen. Uh, when looking at this game, uh, Texas, you know, they get the quarterback, Sam Ellinger. He's now three weeks removed from that shoulder injury that he had against Baylor. Uh, I think he's going to get close to, the, to, to 20 rushing attempts this week. He's a physical type of quarterback that can run the ball through the uh, in the middle, can also, you know, has the arm to, to throw the ball as well. True typical dual threat quarterback that Tom Herman likes in his offense. Uh, I look at West Virginia. Uh, they allowed 244 yards, uh, rushing yards uh, per game, 5.2 yards per carry. Uh, at Iowa State, when they were held to only nine first downs and 152 total yards in that game on the road at Iowa State, uh, I think Texas is going to enter this game uh, full of pent-up uh, anger. And, I, I again, I, I can't get that. Uh, Iowa State loss out of my head for West Virginia. It's still, it's still right there it, it, at the forefront. Uh, that was their last road game. Going back on the road, uh, I, I like Texas here. I think that the, I think that last week's results are kind of moving this line in West Virginia's, you know, down in West Virginia's favor, obviously. Uh, but I think, well, the early money, I should say, going on in West Virginia. But I think this does Texas backers a favor because obviously you're not laying as many points. I think Texas is going to win. Hook them horns. I got Texas winning this game by, by over a touchdown. I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to have a problem uh, covering this game. Well, West Virginia does have extra rest coming off that big win against Baylor and uh, Will Greer looked rejuvenated. He he did have two straight poor performances. Let's not forget the, the, there were signs that West Virginia was having some problems when they struggled to put Kansas away the week before they played uh, Iowa State. So there were some telltale signs that West Virginia might be running into some problems, and then they more than ran into problems when they played the Cyclones because that was just a, a awful performance by the, the Mountaineers that you did not expect. Uh, Keontae Ingram, 5.9 yards per carry for Texas. He could be a difference in this game. I think he needs more carries. He, he, he seems like a guy that when he touches the ball, things happen. Get him the ball more, and I think t- it'll be good things for Texas. Longhorns are plus 65 yards per game at home, so they're, they're, they're controlling things at home. West Virginia is minus 160 yards per game on the road, mostly because of that lopsided Iowa State loss. Uh, so they've, they've had a little bit of struggles on the road. We haven't seen an effort from Texas like they gave versus Oklahoma. Seems like they step up in big games. This is a big game. Tom Herman at Texas, 5-2 and two against the spread, coming off a straight-up loss. Well, they lost last week. So I like the Longhorns here. I, I'm like you. I think around a touchdown, maybe a little more. Uh, and I, I definitely am not scared off by only laying a point and a half. All we're asking for is Texas to win at home. I think that's a good bet. I know Will Greer's on the other side, but I, I think the Longhorns defense does enough to stop Will Greer from beating them. And for our final top 25 matchup of the week that we're going to look at this week, let's go to the Big Ten, Chris, and let's look at number 14, Penn State, going on the road to Ann Arbor, taking on the number five-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Of course, Penn State comes in at 6-2, and two, just 3-2 and two in the Big Ten. Michigan, 7-1 and one overall, 5-0 and oh in the Big Ten. Penn State 4-3-1 against the spread, while Michigan is 5-3 against the spread. Now, this line opened up Michigan, double-digit favorite, laying 10, uh, early money, on the Wolverines, it's now up to ten and a half. Uh, so a little bit of early money there. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, Chris. You know, this is the revenge tour this year for Michigan. The, the players, the coaches, they they haven't been shy in letting everyone 
either associated with the program or not associated with the program know that this is their revenge tour. They took care of business versus both Wisconsin and Michigan State already this year, not only on the scoreboard, but they also covered against the Vegas line as well. Uh, Penn State, they were outgained by Indiana by 137 yards two weeks ago. uh, and 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 uh, you know they were they were held to to 16 first downs and 30, 312 yards versus Iowa last week. Michigan has the number one defense in the nation. I look at Penn State. I just have not been really in awe of them at all this year. I mean, they they easily could enter this game with four losses. They had to go to overtime to App State. They 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 were in a tough game against Illinois for three quarters. They they were. Uh, at halftime, they were even with Pitt. I mean, this is a team that just – I have not been impressed at all with them. McSorley was banged up a little bit last week. Had to miss a couple series with a knee injury. Uh, 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 not 100% Trace McSorley against that Michigan defense. Uh, I'll take Michigan all day. I think the revenge tour continues here. And I'm going to say Michigan's going to win this game by two touchdowns. You can't go wrong when you have uh, one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the country. Holding opponents to 218 yards per game, less than our average. That is insane by the Wolverine defense. Uh, Michigan, plus 225 yards per game. So, you know, the, the big house is where they bring out their best. Only only allowing 97 rush yards a game. And they're stacking on 24 sacks against the Penn State offensive line that's been given up a little bit. Uh, Three of their last four games, they've given up three-plus sacks. So you can't go backwards against Michigan's defense, which Michigan's defense will usually make you go backwards, whether you like it or not. But if you're looking at third and long against Michigan, two things are going to happen. You're going to be punting the ball three and outs will kill Penn State, or you're going to throw the ball into coverage trying to get a long uh, first down gain and you're going to end up turning the ball over on an interception. That those third and longs could be very detrimental for Penn State here if Michigan can force them into them. Uh, Penn State's D has been solid, but not the great Penn State D that you expect. Holding opponents to 31 yards per game, less than their average. That's number 53 in the country. So not the typical, you know, stout Penn State defense, which is I would think probably top 10, top 20 in the country. Uh, 26 sacks for Penn State led by Gross Matos, who's got six sacks, uh, another six-and-a-half tackles for loss. Michigan's only given up 13 sacks. Their, their offensive line controls the line of scrimmage. So I think the Wolverines are good here. I, I have a little lean on them. Penn State, like we mentioned, plays to the level of their competition. If it's a good team, they play up like Ohio State, and you know that they, they kind of outplayed the Buckeyes for a while uh, for most of that game. Or if it's a bad team, they tend to play down, like Illinois and Pitt. So you you got to wonder, how often can you really do that before you just get taken advantage of because you can't keep playing to the level of their competition before you just run out of that gas. Uh, I take Michigan here by just about a little over double digits. Very nice. All right. Now, uh, enough with our top 25 matchups. We wanted to take a look at, uh, like we always do here on the uh, Power Sweep podcast presented by North Coast Sports, and that's give away one of our star-rated plays in the Power Sweep. And again, I want to remind everybody, uh, Power Sweep doing very, very well. The four stars in the Power Sweep this year, eight and one this year alone. 
Uh, the college two-star selections over the last five years hitting at a 65% clip, 93 and 49. And what we're going to do is we're going to go and give you one of those two-star selections out of the Power Sweep newsletter. And this week we want, we decided to go into the, the Sun Belt, the AKA Fun Belt, and go with the Louisiana Don't Call Me Lafayette Raging Cajuns going on the road, taking on Troy, uh, the Troy Trojans. 4-0 in the Sun Belt. Troy looking like uh, could be going back to yesteryear in, in going back to the S, in claiming the SBC titles like they did uh, back in the days. Now, uh, looking at both these teams, they're both excellent against the spread, both with identical 6-2 and two against the spread record, so uh, really no uh, favorite there. But uh, the line stayed exactly the same. Troy's a 10.5-point favorite in this game. It's exactly where it opened at. It's exactly where it is today. A huge S- SBC matchup. You know, despite Louisiana coming in at two and two here, Chris, in the Sun Belt, they're actually both tied uh, for first in their side of the divisions. They're on separate sides of the division. So both actually control their own destiny in reaching the SBC title game. Uh, Louisiana, not afraid of going on the road. I'm, they're not going to be afraid of this going out to Troy. I mean, they've this is a team that's already gone on the road this year to SEC venues, Mississippi State and Alabama. So no need in being scared away from uh, the road trip here. Uh, again, talking about Louisiana, they were only outgained by 36 yards when they went on the road to Appalachian State. So I think that this offense can perform, especially, uh, you know, led by Andre Nunez, running back Trey Regis. Uh, clearly enough firepower to keep this game within double digits. I think Troy's going to win a shootout uh, by much closer than what the Vegas line is projecting. I'm going to say Troy wins the game. I'll call him by a field goal. Definitely, if you're if you're a Louisiana backer, take the points. Troy wins by a field goal. Louisiana covers the spread. I'm shocked, Antonio, that you didn't mention Louisiana's head coach because you have had a a, a crush on him all year. He's Antonio has mentioned to me how much he likes Billy Napier at Louisiana, probably at least a dozen times over the course of the season, and it's it's uh it is impressive what Napier has done at Louisiana this year. Uh, in his first year as head coach for the Cajuns, having him in contention to get to the Sun Belt Championship game. He's an Alabama guy, coached under Saban, so he, he, he knows how to run a program, and it's showing up very early in his career as a head coach. So, uh, so far, good job by Billy Napier. And, again, I'm surprised you did not mention that because I figured that was on the top of your list. Uh, Louisiana's offense has been potent, 92 yards per game more than their opponents are allowing. That's actually 13th best in the country. So offense is moving the ball. Defense, not so much. Struggles, allowing 65 yards per game more than their opponents are averaging. Uh, Troy's got a key Sunbelt game on deck with Georgia Southern, which actually decides their division likely. Uh, so that, that, that could be a moving point for them to look forward instead of being totally focused on this game because this game in essence is actually almost meaningless for them because they have to win next week against Georgia Southern I believe to get into that SBC championship game versus Louisiana who it's pretty much a quagmire and at Sunbelt West it could be a couple teams and Louisiana's got plenty to play for right now so they need this game and they've played the tougher schedule number 83 toughest schedule in the country for Louisiana Troy's played our number 125 toughest schedule Louisiana has got Trey Regis four 100 yard efforts at running back 
734 yards, 5.8 yards per carry. And the Cajuns covered uh, three straight as a dog. So that tells me I'm taking the points. I think they have that, maybe not a head coaching edge because Neil Brown of Troy is a very good head coach. He's been doing it there for quite a while. But I think that the coaching edge is negated a little bit by Napier. And uh, they play well as a dog, so I'll take the Cajuns. Red hot. And that's our two-star selection in the Power Sweep newsletter. And uh, we want to remind everybody, if you don't have a subscription to Power Sweep yet, you can get the rest of the season. That includes our, our world-famous double bowl issue for just $64 for that email subscription to Power Sweep for the rest of the season. That includes our double bowl issue, and that will take you all the way through the Super Bowl, just $64 for that email subscription to Power Sweep. And, again, I want to remind everybody, uh, jump on board this weekend, late phone packages. You can get it for $125. you are going to get a minimum of 11 star rated plays our nfl top late phone play is eight and oh this year uh the totals are eight and three the last three weeks i mean just doing doing a wonderful job there so again want to thank everybody uh for listening to this week's edition of the power sweep podcast presented by north coast sports for chris van dyne i'm antonio castro and we will talk to you again next week